Cats at Night. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. And welcome to the John Katsimatidis Cats at Night show. We've got a full studio tonight. We have with us uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. He is our common sense Democrat. We have another common sense Democrat. We have Governor David Patterson. How are you two? I'm great. Happy to be here. And we have a common sense Republican Ed Cox who is joining us as well. We got a lot to talk about. And John Katzmatidis will be joining us shortly. But before we get to what we want to talk about amongst ourselves, we, we do have some breaking news. WABC. And that breaking news coming from John Solomon of JustTheNews.com, intrepid investigative reporter. John Solomon, what do you have for us? Well, great to join you guys. There are a lot of breaking news today. So let's start on Capitol Hill. FBI Director Chris Wray got a grilling before the Senate a Judiciary Committee today. Uh, the revelations last week that there were whistleblowers saying that multiple instances of political manipulation of investigations, he was forced to confront that today. Uh, Here's what he said. I can't talk about specific cases. I'm committed to uh, making the reforms to make sure that all these issues are resolved. And I will tell you this. We are going to aggressively, that's his word, aggressively pursue a Hunter Biden investigation. Can't talk about any more than that. But you have my word. We're going to be aggressive in our pursuit of that. Uh, Afterwards, Senator Grassi, the person who divulged the whistleblower allegations a week ago, he came over, had a conversation with me on my podcast and he said he gave us some news, which is that Chris Ray has already signaled his seriousness. The assistant director of the Washington field office, who was named by those whistleblowers as one of the guys involved in the manipulation, the allegations there. He's been removed from his job, put in another job. He's no longer supervising the FBI office in Washington. Senator Grassley said that's a good first step, a sign that maybe uh, Chris Ray is serious about cleaning up these issues uh, so that's what's been going on in the FBI. And uh, by the way, the FBI director, Chris Ray also said during the Senate hearing, quote, there is a wide array of criminal threats that we encounter down at the border. The transitional yeah. criminal organizations that use diverse and complex methods to traffic drugs. Then that cascades over into prison and our street gangs. So, you know, this is John Solomon. I think John Katz here. I think that the FBI director might have to be independent. You can't depend on politics going on in the White House, which controls the Justice Department, for them not to do their job. And my personal opinion is, my personal opinion is that the FBI director and uh, should stand up and whatever's wrong in our country, whether it's the borders, whether it's a problem with Hunter Biden, whether it's a problem with a Republican. I don't care Republicans or Democrats. I don't care. I just want, I want the country to feel that everybody's getting equal justice what say you i listen that's exactly why the fbi director after the hoover era was given a 10-year supposed to be independent term so he would have that independence president couldn't presidents couldn't but he's under the thumb but he's under the thumb of the attorney general who's under the thumb of the president which makes it political it sure does. And so the intent always was to make him independent. The practice has been the FBI director has always been a political football in modern history. I will say something about Chris Ray in the last couple of months. And early on, he parroted the line that there's nothing wrong with the Russia collusion case. It took a long time for him to come out and recognize his department let America down in the Russia collusion case. In the last few months, he's been doing, just like Lydia pointed out today about him shouting out the border, he's given two speeches challenging the president's narrative on China as well. The, the attorney general forced the FBI to close down its 
program that was uh, capturing, it's called the China Initiative, capturing spies in America. He went out and he's given two speeches criticizing that and warning that China is much more serious than the rhetoric coming out of the White House. Today, you heard him talk about the border. He just moved this guy uh, out of the Washington office. There are some signs he's trying to signal that he's his own man. We'll see it, whether that, how long that lasts and what sort of political affair and still comes to light in the future. It goes back. It goes back to the other problem too. What's going on in uh, in uh, was it Maryland, Delaware, mm-hmm. with the investigation? Yeah. What's going on with our other friend that uh, was the prosecutor? Right. Yeah. Listen, there are so many cases around the country where the, the criminal justice system is under question. I'll give you a good example today. Uh, San Francisco, its DA was just kicked out by voters too too liberal for even San Francisco. The new guy came in and said. Hey, there were some plea deals given to bad drug offenders that are way beyond what the law allows. They were too generous. And I'm revoking 30 plea offers because there was a corrupt intent in these uh, plea deals. That is an extraordinary thing for a prosecutor to undo plea deals that had already been revealed in court. That's a sign that politics was entering into the prosecution level at a very, very significant way. And yesterday, this story broke on Just the News. All right, so Chris Ray's trying to show his independence, but one of the challenges is that, hey, if the rank and file still practice politics, you still have a corrupt FBI. This is an extraordinary story. It was one of the most popular stories on, on the site yesterday. The FBI just put out a new guide to its agents on what things might give you an idea that someone's involved in terrorism. They call them the symbols of terrorism. Here are three of them. Ashley Babbitt, the Second Amendment, and I'm not making this up, the Betsy Ross flag. The FBI considers those three things to be potential symbols or signs that someone is engaged in terrorism. So politics is still somewhere in this law enforcement circle. Uh, and uh, I think you're, you're on, you have your thumb on a really big issue. We haven't stamped it out. It's become too acceptable to be political in law enforcement agencies. Right, John- we, we need the American people to feel confidence that the Justice Department is non-political. And I think that has to be straightened out. Along with the other thing is people have to have faith in our balloting system and our voting system that it's non-political state by state and everything has to be, you know, be above, above, uh, above the table. That's right. I mean, John Solomon, what you just said right there that. They're saying you. there are three signs of being a, a terrorist, the Betsy Ross flag, if you're a fan of the Second Amendment. And what was the third one? Ashley Babbitt? Ashley Babbitt. The woman so right there, they're capital. trying to fulfill that narrative that, that yeah. white supremacy is the greatest threat facing our democracy. No doubt about it. And that's what the whistleblowers are saying. Remember, one of the things that the whistleblowers told Jim Jordan's team, separate of Chuck Grassley, is that they were juicing the white supremacist, white uh, national terrorism numbers to make the situation look far worse than as many of the cases that counted, according to whistleblowers, never rose to the uh, definition of domestic terrorism. So the problem isn't just Chris Ray. It's the fact that now inside the FBI, there are multiple players in different leadership positions, more Peter Strzok's, more Lisa Pages um, uh, that are able to manipulate the system on a daily basis. And if it weren't for the whistleblowers who just came forward, we wouldn't even know this corruption was going on. We're in a real crossroad. I think, John, you, you have it right. This is a critical moment in whether we're going to trust our institutions. Amer- American history, the critical moment in yeah. American history. I'm going to give you one more, and you don't have to answer it. And you can think about it, and we'll talk about it next time, is Dr. Fauci. Was, mm-hmm. he, was he being honest, or was he being conned by the Chinese? 
And that's going to be an interesting question. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, you saw uh, just about a week ago, Dr. Burke say, we knew all along the virus, was, uh, that the uh, vaccines weren't going to stop the virus's spread. That's amazing when you go back and look at what Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burke said two years ago. And then yesterday at the Senate hearing, multiple witnesses came forward and said, we can prove to you that Dr. Fauci was lying to Congress when he said we weren't doing gain-of-function research on dangerous viruses. Uh, the spotlight is getting much hotter, much brighter, much wider on Dr. Fauci. I think you're right. We're going to learn a lot more this fall. And for all those listeners out there, gain-of-function is basically when they're kind of juicing up uh, viruses to try to make them more transmissible to humans. And that's exactly what happened with COVID, and it spread to the worldwide killing millions of people so clearly gain of function was happening and something was done with that COVID-19 virus for it to kill so many people so quickly yeah no it is a serious up and, and President Obama had ordered it stopped President Trump never ordered it resumed but somehow Dr. Fauci managed to use the bureaucracy to get it restarted according to the documents that have been made public again a sign how how powerful bureaucrats are. There is a fourth branch of government. It's the permanent bureaucracy. Dr. Fauci's ability to get gain of function and, reversed, and even though it's been ordered. We're, John, we're way over uh, over time, but I'm going to tell you where part of that bureaucracy came and it hurt everything. When Before President Obama left office, and he had the right to do it, I'm sure, he made 2,000 of his friends and personal employees permanent civil yeah employees that no future president can get rid of. Thank you so much, John Solomon, and we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thanks, guys. And we actually have a couple of more breaking news stories. Breaking news, WABC. Speaker Pelosi was snubbed by the president of South Korea. Holy cow, what happened? Ed Cox? The opposition party there is... Getting to be anti-American, he did not want to stir him up. That's right. the bottom line. In other line. words, are they very close to the Chinese? They, they are very close. To... Culturally or economically, they are trading a lot more with the Chinese than they're trading with America. Maybe maybe uh, Mrs. Pelosi should have stayed home over Speaker Pelosi. Well, but so, they, they did I mean, speak a lot on of the controversy in, in, between Taiwan and now uh, Korea. Every, every, and this is South Korea. They're supposed to be on our side. And they're supposed to be culturally. They are very close to China. They are traditionally the little brother to China, the being the big brother. They are treated well by China. Pelosi did speak to him though for about forty minutes by phone. So what do you make of that? Could have called. They called from Washington. Could have done it from Washington. Exactly. No, when you're there in person, Speaker of the House, it's different. It's different. It's different. President, it's different. the president did not want You've to been stir, there. stir Ed up Cox, you were the son-in-law of President Nixon. You've been there to all those meetings. Uh, what say you about this uh, visit with uh, Speaker Pelosi? Look, I'm not against Speaker Pelosi. I, you know, I, I don't agree with her politics, but she. Do, I think she did have the right to go. I don't think she was well briefed on what she, where she was going and what she was doing. It was a bad time for her to do it. Uh, well, Governor we, Patterson, what, do you, what say you? It'd be interesting to know how much the president knew about this, because <laughs> you would assume oh, God. that uh, if you were a leader of the legislature and you're going to go to another country and meet with someone, that you'd talk to the White House. Uh, I don't know what at, 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 at least the people that advised the president that may know may know more than the president uh, would uh, would have should have told her. And uh, Judge Weinberg, how come there were leaks from the State Department or Defense Department? saying it was a bad idea. 
who authorized oh those my leaks. God, that's horrible to do that when when the Speaker of the House is visiting overseas. That's horrible. Well, there is some more breaking news right breaking. here in New York. There's a war of words going on. So New York City Mayor Adams says he turned over information regarding recidivism, that's repeat offenders, over to New York Assembly Speaker keep, Carl keep, Hasty. Keep, keep the language simple. If you tell me recidivism, I have repeat to look offenders. at it. Repeat offenders. I was using his exact okay. words. Okay. He, he, and he says that Speaker Hasty expressed great concern. Well, Carl Hasty tweeted out this morning, quote, I'm scratching my head regarding the mayor's recollection of conversations we've had. To date, we've received no data from the mayor or his team. My most recent exchange with him was about my dismay that he claims to have data that vastly differs from what the DCJS and OCA report, which is basically is they, read, they collect the stats of those two organizations. Television. Watch television, read the newspapers. The data is different. Well, Governor Patterson, so hearing this, I'm reading it verbatim. What's your thoughts? Who's lying or who's telling the truth or what's going on? Well, it's clear that Speaker Hasty is upset about something because rather than addressing his remarks to Mayor Adams, he publicized them, which is rare for Very him. Rare. He, he's not someone that speaks publicly often. So he must think that, uh, you know, that, that some sort of game is being played. Well, the, I'm the saying, ba- what backdrop I'm saying. Here, the backdrop here is this is a big issue come November, and, and Hasty is boiling and under the I'm going to say heat. something. I, I like I uh, Speaker Hasty as a person. I've, I've interviewed him. I like him as a person. But now, Speaker Hasty, I think you have to be aware. Remember, remember what happened to Todd Kaminsky. And if it's your fault that New Yorkers are not going to be safe, they'll be held to pay. And uh, that's the way I feel about it. I like Colin Hasty as a person. He's a Star Trek fan, a fan like I am. Mm-hmm. And uh, What you said, just said is what elections are about. Big one coming up in November. You know, Todd, remember. Todd Kaminsky regrets. He, had, he was 20 points ahead and $15 million in the bank. He was trying to convince the... GOP of Nassau County to endorse him because he was going to be the winner, and he promised not to indict any of them. But oh one boy. of the one of the problems. How do you say, "Oh my God"? <laughs> okay, and John. then that Todd Kaminsky blew up. I don't say Kaputsky, right? Uh, he blew up, and he lost by twenty points, and he spent the fifteen million. And he took the county executive with him. She lost. And too. she was a nice lady. Look, Very nice. Bruce Blakeman is a good guy too. So God bless her, Bruce Blakeman. And but in addition, John, in addition, well, the third breaking news. The other, go break, the other go major break. item. Breaking news. WABC. Our congestion pricing. It's it's going forward. No, oh. I mean, the breaking news. They're changing the rules on the ele- primary well, election. That's oh right. my god! Oh, that's oh my another god! Another breaking news. Forget, Lydia. Oh, I have so many Don't breaking wait, news. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Remember Democrat for a day? Oh my god! Yes. Two days. Now no, they no, have to do the eleven. Okay, oh. they changed the day. You can be Democrat for two days. Well, you have to do it by August eleventh. Last night they changed the rules. Again. Okay, August eleventh so at, at five forty-five tonight or five fifty. Vito Fasella, who told us all about it, will be the borough president of Staten Island. Will be back on the radio. They changed the rules. You can't be a Democrat for only two days anymore. Stay tuned to five after five o'clock or five fifty, and let's go to a break. And when we come back. What's going on in the economy? We have Paul Lunzes with us. It's Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, we're back. 
We're back, and we're on fire tonight. We have Judge Weinberg uh, in the studio, common sense uh, Democrat, and a common sense, a real common sense Democrat. Uh, we have uh, Governor Rick, uh, David Patterson and a common sense Republican Ed Cox, uh, the former. Well, he's you know, I'm a number always, two to one here, John. What are you doing? You're number, I'm number two <laughs> the odds are even. The odds are even, David. A common sense Republican. I'll take that. And, um, boy, I mean, there's so many breaking news today, and and uh, I just uh, texted Vito, and I said, make sure you're available to talk about what's going He's going to come on about 5.50. What's going on with the, with the ferry? Because I understand they're cutting down uh, the ferry's hours or something. Right. Service has been cut down. It looks like there's some sort of but staffing now, shortage. Now, we have Paul Luntzis on the, on the phone, and there's so many things happening in the economy. Nope. Paul Luntzis. The The... The interest rates are trending down again. The cryptocurrency, nobody knows where the heck they are, except I think uh, Mayor Adams is no longer getting paid in cryptocurrency. Maybe he changed his mind. Uh, and oil's at $87 a barrel. And, and oil is $87 a barrel. As, as I predicted a couple of weeks ago, we'd have, we reached peak price on oil. Tell you talk. Tell us. Yeah, you know, John, there's so many moving targets. The market doesn't know. They're waiting for the July jobs report tomorrow. That's one of the things. But there's so many things, you know. Oil By the way, is- Paul, you know, remember the movie Duke and Duke? If they're yeah. waiting for that su- supply report tomorrow, somebody knows what it says. Trading mm-hmm. places. That's a great movie, John. Um, but, no, I think there's just so many things going on. And, and Bitcoin There's just been so much money lost. And, you know, Bitcoin does three things in terms of money. It's a medium of exchange, a store of value, and a unit of account. Well, Bitcoin doesn't really qualify for any of those, given how much it varies and so forth, until it's really protected or guaranteed and regulated by the government. There's nothing backing it. And so you have three arrows, capital. You mean there's no complaint department? You can't complain that my money disappeared? Well, what, what the suits, John, are flying. There's tons of suits now that have been filed in the courts. And three, three companies, Three Arrows Capital first, then Voyager, and now Celsius. I mean, Three Arrows Capital, I think, has $3.5 billion in creditor claims. Celsius had 1.7 million customers, four, five billion, six. I mean, it's absolutely insane what's going on uh, in Bitcoin, and the amount of money that's been lost is is enormous. And then the blockchain, there's things people that are you know stealing from the blockchain as well. Nomad, there was a blockchain transfer; they lost 200 million. Uh, that was ah, it's off. only 200 million, you know, to these rich guys. I mean, what the heck is 200 million? So By the way, you know who became rich again? We have Elon Musk. The stock is over to $900. He's a $200 billionaire again. You know, well, I think it's a, what, what, there's a big difference of what you could afford if you're a $100 billionaire or a $200 billionaire. What, what's, or, happening, or, or, what's happening or, or, is rates, as people feel that rates aren't going to keep rising, although several people on the Fed, voting and non-voting, have all said they're going to continue to raise rates, but people think that they're not. They're going to pivot like they did after December of 18 when they raised the Fed funds to two and a half and the market went down 20. They pivoted and, and so forth. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Fed continues to respond to this inflation. And one of the reasons oil keeps going down, John, even though there's really not that much swing capacity available out there, there really isn't. 
Uh, supply is very tight, but everyone thinks we're going into a recession. And that's what's really driving that. And then the final point that's really, you know, got everyone concerned or talking is Kirsten Cinema regarding the, the, the big bill, the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022 on climate change, health care, and taxes. First of all, raising taxes of any kind, you know, isn't prudent, particularly in this economy. And then the climate change, they want to raise about $739 billion and spend about 433 Now, the majority of that spending is 369 for the climate change. And it seems that she's really not necessarily on board unless there's some changes made. Well, I hope so, because I was on Fox the other day, and I said – you're fooling the middle class and the poor by saying we're raising taxes on the big companies. You know why? Those big companies, you know what they're going to do, Paul? They're just going to raise the prices to the consumer. So at the end of the day, they pay more taxes, they raise the prices to the consumer, and the poor consumer, the middle class and the poor, end up paying more. John, how much more can the middle class take? We have inflation that's almost 10%. Now they also want to... Forget about that word inflation. They're paying double the price on their oil, on their... On their food, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but the the good, word inflation is like using that word. What was that your word that was used before? Recidivism. Recidivism. I said, I have to go to the dictionary and look it up. But don't forget, I'm a college dropout. The price of goods guy. has I'm gone up 10%. Okay. I have to go look at it in the dictionary. Okay, but. Well, don't forget, if they, if, they used, if they measured inflation the way they did back in the early 80s, inflation would be significantly higher, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18%. And you're right, John, it's really harming most the middle and lower classes. It just doesn't make any sense what they're doing. Does it make sense, Paul, to put all these uh, like 70 or $75 billion in hiring more IRS agents to harass uh, taxpayers? You Does know, it make rather, sense to you know, chill pharmaceutical industry? I a, a, a recent meeting where Jamie Dimon spoke, and rather than focusing on attacking and class warfare and attacking the well-to-do, we should be focusing on growing our overall economy, putting the swords down. Democrats and Republicans should cross the aisle and start working on, on bringing back manufacturing. We've lost 60,000, 65,000 plants. Inflation has been exported uh, for many, many years through China. And it's not only an economic issue, it's an enormous national security issue. And we need – it's going to take a long time – five, 10, 15 years, but we need to start reshoring. And no one's focusing on that. It's attacking the wealthy, et cetera, et cetera, rather than focusing on rebuilding our economy. Back in 2008, Chuck Schumer himself said that when the economy is in decline, you don't want to raise overall taxes. Obama said something similar. So why the the swift change, Paul Lunsis? You know, that's a really good question. One of them is, basically, they're going after the carried interest. They're attacking private equity. Many of those gentlemen, uh, mostly gentlemen, are billionaires, KKR, Apollo, Apollo Group, et cetera, et cetera. And the carried interest, they pay long-term capital gains, um, you know, much, much lower than ordinary income. And people have been after that for a long, long time. The, the, the negative is, you could argue, if people take risks – they should benefit for taking those risks. No one talks about when companies go under and so forth, but it's been a pet peeve of a lot of people that the carried interest is not really fair. And so they're really attacking that. And it's one of the things that Kirsten Cinema is saying she's not going to support. Wow. So Ooh, that's, that's big. So what, very big. 
That, that is big because well, Chuck Schumer, what did he say? He says he, you don't raise taxes in a declining economy. Look, I respect Chuck Schumer. He's the majority leader. He did leader, say that. And he did say that in 2008. Think, you know, I think we have to look at it very carefully. And well, we got 10 seconds. Say, John, give give us the last point. 10 seconds. Go ahead. They negotiated this deal in private, and that alienated and upset several people, too, which wasn't smart. Mm. Well, Paul uh, says thank you so smart. much, and uh, we'll catch up with you again real soon. Uh, we're going to be taking a break, and we're also going to be listening to uh, the Lou Dobbs Report and on 970, and uh, thank you so much. This is Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome back to the John Katzmatidis Cats at Night show. John, you are on fire today. Well, I feel like, you know, there's so many things going on that's not right in our city, in our country. And you know who, who's going to be turned on by that? Peter King. How do you feel about congestion pricing? All your constituents, all your friends in Long Island are going to be, how do you say, they're going to be screwed. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Was that Peter King or somebody else? No, that was Peter Finch. That was Peter Finch. John, I was sitting home trying to relax, enjoy myself. <laughs> Look at you guys. My blood pressure is going through the roof. You got to calm me down now. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's crazy. They're going to screw everybody. I mean, yeah. New Jersey people want to come on the show, and, and I said, well. New Yorkers don't give a damn about the New Jersey guys. They care about Long Island. They care about Westchester. But I care about New Jersey. I have a lot of friends in Jersey. So tell us how Long Islanders feel. Listen, this is going to be a key, I think, to Lee Zeldin's election. People on Long Island are outraged by it. People living in Queens, uh, communities like Astoria and others, Sunnyside, Woodside, Jackson Heights. These people are not going to be able, in many cases, afford to be, uh, uh, be able to go into the city. That's going to hurt the city economy. It's going to hurt Manhattan business. And it's certainly going to impact on the taxpayers and the citizens and residents of the outer boroughs. No, no, this is insane. It's just an attempt by the MTA to rob money to make up for their mismanagement. This is wrong. It can't be allowed to go ahead. And I'm confident, I'm confident that Lee is going to raise this as a major issue in his campaign. Well, listen. The, the big thing in Zeldin and on Hochul and is, is who's going to keep, whom do you trust to keep New York City, New York State safe? Bottom line. And now the new one, congestion pricing. If they want to, how do the old Greeks and Italians and the Armenians say, or, or the uh, and even you guys, the Albanians. Yeah, probably. They want to what? <laughs> and they want to put their what? Their thumb they on you. They want to suck your their blood. blood. Oh, yeah. I mean, when's it going to end? They want to suck your blood it... and take every ounce of blood out of you and by charging you congestion uh, pricing. And is it good for Peter? It's Richard Weinberg. Is that good for the environment when you have all these backed up cars? Well, that's the other thing. I mean, you know, there's so much hypocrisy coming from the left, coming from the progressives. And what you just brought out is another example. I mean, among the most flagrant violators of climate uh, change are Democrats and progressives. With John Kerry, with his private flights, uh, Kathy Hochul flying around New York State, and he uh, backing up cars on the 59th Street Bridge to suck more blood blood money out of the residents of Long Island and Queens. This is absolute madness. It's corruption. It's hypocrisy. And again, I can't emphasize enough how Lee has to stress this in the campaign. It shows that the liberal progressives are against the outer boroughs or against Long Island, and it has to stop. The only way to stop it 
as John said, is do it at the election booth. They have to do it. Ed Cox is a master of this. David Patterson's been doing it for a long time. I mean, politics, you know, we really can't always sit back and complain if we don't take advantage of the opportunity of going to the polls. That's why we have to tell people it's not enough to complain in December about how lousy things are. Get out in November and vote. You're, you're absolutely right. I mean, to me, to me, safety in our streets. Whom do we trust? I'm going to say it one more time so people don't forget. Whom do you trust to keep you safe after the November election? And that's all I want. I don't care, Democrats, Republicans. I care about keeping New York City safe and bringing New York City back and having our 66 million tourists coming back to New York. And, John, I agree with you completely. And the story in today's New York Post is exactly what you've been saying for months. There's a small group of criminals, career criminals, who commit the overwhelming majority of crimes. And bail reform has been a main factor in that. And and the judges and the uh, DAs, the DAs especially. And that's why I think Lee, it's so important. And Lee Zeldin said his first official action is to fire Alvin Bragg. And to me, Governor DeSantis has shown us in Florida how that can be Tell, done. Uh, not everybody knows what right happened away. in Florida today, uh, uh, Peter King. Tell us what happened in Florida today. Yeah, listen, I happen to be pro-life. Whether you are or not, uh, you have to follow the law of the state. And the law in the state, uh, the law in the state of Florida regarding abortion, the uh, state's attorney, or dist- uh, yes, our district attorney, they call them state's attorney generals, said he would not enforce the law. He would not enforce the law on, on, on abortion. And uh, so DeSantis stepped right in and removed him. He said you well, it got decide. even worse than it that. It wasn't even it just was abortion. It was worse than that. Right. I understand he refused. And, and we talked about it, and you were in the studio. Uh, we talked about it with the, the people from Disney World, where they took her five-year-old and a six-year-old and convinced them they were transgenders. And the person right. refused, that DA, or the, whatever they call him, refused to indict. A, a person that would do that to their five-year-olds or six-year-olds, uh, have them change sex or something? Right. They call it gender-affirming care, and that's been uh, outlawed in Florida. So children cannot receive injections, hormone injections. They also can't get any kind of surgeries or anything like that. And you this, can't do that to five- and six-year-olds. I know. It's that's, abuse. That, that's, it's uh, disgusting. That's child abuse. Absolutely. And this but state attorney, Warren, said, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I don't care what you say. I'm going to allow it. So DeSantis said, you know what? This is, It's not up to you to follow what to decide what laws you're going to follow or not. And we'll, we'll put it over the top, though, we refuse to enforce the law on abortion. So the initial one was in uh, Disney World. The second one was on abortion. DeSantis had enough. He's removing them. And again, whether you agree or disagree with the law, the district attorney does not have that discretion. You know, they have discretion who they're going to prosecute as far as uh, judgment matters, but not to say they're not going to enforce a certain law. And that's what's happened. That's what Alvin Bregger said. He said he that's wouldn't right. arrest people who uh, he wouldn't charge people who are resisting arrest. He laid it out on paper right after he was elected. I'm not going to enforce these laws. Right, that yeah. I mean, that is wrong. That is wrong. Governor Patterson, you're his friend. You, he, you were you were his mentor. What happened? Well, I didn't know him that well, but. I, <laughs> Are you denying you know him? No, I'm not denying I know him. Right. Right. One, one We're not that close, he's saying. On the issue of resisting arrest, sometimes there's a dispute between a police officer and uh, a citizen, and the police officer demands the citizen does something, and they don't do it, so then they arrest them for resisting arrest. And what Bragg was saying in this particular case 
is as long as there's a charge, if after the officer has tried to arrest the person on the charge, the person resists arrest, he'll accept that. But he wasn't going to accept resisting when there was no charge. In other words, just walking away from the officer. I didn't think that was a bad decision. However, I don't think that he's gotten out here and defended his positions. And that's why he's placed in the position he's in now. David Patterson, he respects you. Bring him into the studio. He's been in the studio. Well, when we have him in the studio? Oh, he's always invited. I'll ask him. Yeah, I mean, look, but that's uh, a, and we'll we'll be civil to him and let him answer the questions civilly. But with all due respect, Governor Patterson, they wouldn't be arresting somebody if there wasn't a charge to begin with. But but you have to you have to list what the charge was, and they weren't doing it. They would just arrest the person, and the only charge was resisting arrest. And what he said to the police, and they apparently understood it as well, oh. is that if you don't have an underlying charge, I'm not going to prosecute these cases. Well, they shouldn't have been arresting so, the person to begin well, with. Right, exactly. So bring them back and give me a, a charge, and, and then the arrest. The so we've got to get the stands. truth from, from Speaker Hasty. We have an IOU for the truth. I IOU for the truth from Speaker Hasting and from D.A. Bragg. Uh, Governor Patterson, we're assigning you that task. Oh, thanks a lot. Good luck, Governor. Good luck, Governor. I think his bronchitis just came back. <laughs> well, Peter King, we got one minute more minute left before, or two more minutes before the break. Give us what else you're mad as hell about. I'm mad as hell I'm not on the show tonight. I tell you, the way this is going, if I think it's going to be this good, I would have broken down the door to get in there. No, I, I think what uh, we, we have here is I'm, I'm mad as hell about the fact that uh, – the governor seems to be ignoring Mayor Adams. Mayor Adams is saying the right thing. We've been calling on him to say the right thing. He says he should do the right thing, but he can't do, really do the right thing unless the governor and the state legislature go with him. And they have to change that bail reform law. And when you have, again, the, a small number of career criminals committing such a large percentage of crimes, that's an outrage. And that's why more and more people are refusing to come into the city. I know there's tourists coming in. But I don't know how many people I talked to who said they just won't go to the city. They're afraid to go on the Long Island Railroad. They're afraid to go on the subways. Peter, that's an excellent point. And, you know, it's it, you have to be a little brave when you have a member of your own party that's in a primary, and yet you continue to insist that you get some action on the most difficult issue we're facing in the city, which is crime. And Governor Hochul, she was running on the platform that she's not Cuomo 2.0. And let's not forget that it was Governor Cuomo who actually put in the bail reform and passed it. So she could really differentiate herself from Cuomo by immediately backing what we're saying, just being you know, using be, some common sense. Let me ask the former, the former chairman of the Democratic Party, uh, uh, of New York State. Can that be the October surprise where Governor Hochul is going to make a change? I don't know what the October surprise is, There's but no what I would say is that I would suggest that the governor recognize in this election the severity uh, the, uh, that people which, are mad as hell. Exactly. That's it. That's but Judge exactly. Weinberg, could she do anything by executive order, no. Governor Hochul? Can she? Yeah, do she it? can remove that. Uh, no, 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 not to, the underlying bail reform law, the discovery law, or the age law. She can't touch dangerousness. Law. No, by the none way, of that. Can I'm be not touched. sure she's being 100 percent honest when she's starting to talk about the judges on, on what the judges say. Tell that. us what, he, what she said real it's, fast. It's, it's very simple. She said the judges uh, didn't understand the law, and I say to 
governor. I'll be happy to explain to her that the judges do understand the law. that mandated under the bad law to we're use having, the least drastic we're means. We're having breakfast with her August 16th. You'll, be, you'll, well, Patterson, you'll have the ability to say that to her. I'm not going to say where the location of the breakfast is. And okay. Governor Patterson, you're invited to. And well, Patterson has her, Patterson has her number, so that could be number three on your list. You can connect Governor right. Hochul with Judge Weinberg. Peter King, Peter King, <laughs> you better ask for a raise. They give you an offer. <laughs> Peter King, take Peter King, take one aspirin yes, and one blood pressure pill, and we'll catch up with you tomorrow. <laughs> John, it's too late for that. I'm in the way of the emergency room right now. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go now to J.P. Miller. I understand he's standing by the Empire Report, ny.com, for all the breaking news from the state. What the heck is going on, J.P. Miller? Empire Report, ny.com. Thank you, John. Uh, The big story in EmpireReportNewYork.com this morning was, of course, the heat. It's hot as heck uh, in New York City and all over the state. We've had thunderstorms. And then uh, another interesting story, John, that broke uh, this morning was that polio is found in sewage samples outside New York City, suggested spreading in the community, health officials say. We got it. Yeah. Holy polio. Holy crap. So what does that that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, uh, there are wastewater samples taken in two different locations in Orange County during June and July, tested positive for the virus. Uh, It comes after uh, an adult in Rockland County contracted polio. And so officials are worried about community spread. And now this is, you know, this is on top of, of course, the the pandemic we were just through. So it's going to be interesting as to how concerned people are going to get about this and whether it's a serious threat or whether uh, this is a, you know, uh, an an outlier, something that's not going to. uh, JP, Ed Ed Cox, uh, uh, no one has polio shots now. Isn't that right? So we're all vulnerable? Uh, How long does the polio vaccine last? I don't know if kids may be. I I think kids may still get uh, polio. Either that or polio shots might be expired. I took mine 50 years ago. Right. The, this, the, 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 the case that they found in New York was the first one that they found in multiple decades. Um, and so it's going to be uh, interesting to see. So, J.P. Miller, uh, we know. just had a very spirited conversation about Hochul versus Adams, bail reform. There seems to be this big blame game. We also brought up what Speaker Hasty tweeted out this morning, basically refuting what Mayor Adams is saying. What are you hearing? Uh, that is uh, also big news on Empire Report. And the governor came out today uh, sh- uh, showing that the state has confiscated a couple dozen guns. So she knows that the number one uh, focus of voters in November is crime and crime in the state. Uh, this comes on the heels of a poll this week that shows her up 15 points on her challenger. So she's going to have to decide uh, over the coming weeks whether she is going to uh, agree with Mayor Adams and make the changes to the bail law or go along with Speaker Hasty and uh, Senate Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, who say the law is okay, it's the judges uh, who are to blame for letting the criminals out. You're, you're talking about Eric Adams' call for her to call a special rece- uh, uh, a session of the legislature. Is that right? Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, Mayor Adams came out yesterday 
with data on a small group of 10 career criminals that have racked up fit five, almost 500 arrests uh, over I mean, the last somebody, couple of years. Well, Speaker Hasty, we just went through a, a yelling session between <laughs> Peter King and who else? And Everybody Governor Patterson, we're all upset. And, Governor and, Patterson's and going Governor underneath the Hasty desk right says now, though. <laughs> that, that, that Mayor Adams never told them, and he doesn't know anything yeah, about it. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Uh, my money's Read the on newspaper. Ma- it's been in the newspapers. Read the newspaper. Well, every newspaper, I every television channel. I'm sorry on this you, one. You know, to call a special session, uh, there's legislation you want to pass. So I don't think that was actually the right term. But I think Mayor Adams on the right page, which is that they should all go up to Albany, sit in a room, and talk this out. And at least, at least, if th- no one changes their mind, at least they tried. But the arrogance of blowing him off when he asked for something that's on the minds of New Yorkers, not just in the city, but in the whole state, I thought was was. But how outrageous to say, oh, judgment. I never got the data. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm scratching my head. That's that's some pretty strong language there. We got one minute left, uh, J.P. Miller. Tell us what else you want to tell us. What uh, what do you listen? I know you're a reporter and I know you dissipate news. But what are you mad as hell about? If you come back, if you come to Manhattan and try to come to the studio, you're going to pay a congestion fee of over $10. You know, John, uh, I, I have to admit that I am a transplant to upstate. And I used to, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I would come to New York City every single week to do business meetings. And uh, I now don't do anymore. It's not because I'm necessarily scared, but it's just. Uh, I feel like I can be more productive at home. I now only go into the city about once a month, uh, and I do love it, uh, but uh, there there has to be uh, a better way forward on how we're going to revive the city. I think everybody's feeling it with, with one, with the crime, and two, with the, uh, you know, the jobs and the homelessness. That's what it is, JP. We love it, but we love it, but. And there's a lot of people outside of New York City saying, I'm not coming to New York City. I'm not going to go to the theater district and pay extra uh, for uh, congestion pricing, pay extra for tickets. And, uh, you know, it's they're going to try to kill New York. And what's really frustrating, John, is this can be avoided if they just enforce the fare beaters, right? Instead of allowing people to just jump the, the turnstile. The will have the money then. Exactly. But why tell them how to do their jobs? Let's, we got to go to a break because we got to come back with Vito Fasella. Because Vito Fasella, the borough president, I understand he is mad as hell and he can't take it anymore. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. Law.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Cats at Night on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Breaking news, WABC. And that breaking news is what we've been talking about for a while now, about being a Democrat for a day because of the whole redistricting, right? The judge thinks to Ed Cox, and it turns out... What? What happened? They changed everything, they right? They changed the laws again. They That's changed right. it again. Why? They, because they, they were went, worried they that court, common sense Democrats would win? They changed, they changed the law. You have to change your registration. The latest date you can do it is August 11th. Up, 
Previously, they were interpreting the law as saying you could do it the day of the primary election, which is the 23rd of August. Vito, what do you say? Well, I think uh, you're right, Judge. Uh, first of all, it's good to be with y'all. Um, and you're right, you guys covered this uh, in depth a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, you know, the purpose really was not to sort of manipulate or what they call a blackout period within a party. And it just seemed to be somewhat of a loophole. But a county judge, a judge, Supreme Court judge up in Steuben County uh, today rendered a decision at the request of the State Board of Elections that you can't do it. And as the judge has said, you have it until August 11th. Anything after that really won't become effective until August 30th. So does he have the right? Does the judge have the right to do that and change the rules uh, two weeks before the election? Sure. Uh, just, just the judges, you know, spoken a, a by a doctor. Ask, ask, ask the judge, judge here. Judge Weinberg? Yeah, that's a, there's a real good question about that that's going to go to the United States uh, Supreme Court. After the election. In November, <laughs> North Carolina yeah. case about what judges and, and uh, commissioners and secretaries of state can do when it's always the legislative power. You, That's the question. You judges, you don't know election law. You don't know bail reform law. What Who's the heck on is first? going on? What's on second? We don't have a clue. Again, again we're speaking with Vito Fasella, the Staten Island borough president. Vito? Yeah, the, the wording of the ruling actually is more like, uh, hey, historically we've done this stuff, and uh, we feel that in this case we, we have to put some type of drop-dead date, and that turns out to be around August 11th. So it is actually a very good question is whether he has the right to do it, and if if well, not, it'll be appealed to the appellate well, well, he had the right to do it. He, he moved the primary from June 28th to August 23rd, and that was all by the uh, the, the Court of Appeals, the highest court in New York but State. But I was going to change uh, my registration for that. two days, as we promised, as Vito yeah. promised me. Two days I was going to change my registration. But I'm still confused. So in 20 seconds or less, explain to me how I could vote. Or oh, I don't live in New York City, but I'm saying how someone, if they wanted to vote in the Doesn't Democratic matter. primary. I can't vote anyway. Yeah, I can't vote anyway. But I'm yeah, just saying I mean, for all you the listeners. Until August 11th to change. And if anything after that, you're no good. No, no, you can. You can change. You don't have to be in New York City for no, this video. No, you can change, but no, they but won't to take vote in those primaries. primaries. After the primary. No, no. Be you have your August primary. Listen, for the August primary, you want to change your registration, do it by August 11th. It's and then what simple. about after that? Can I turn after, it back to yes, independent yes, or Republican? After, after, that's right. After, okay. after, the after the primary. So you can't just do so it that the, day. Okay. For the folks listening, it was up until today, you can do it up until August 23rd and vote in that primary. As of today, you can no longer do that. That's wow. That's now a there's a cutoff August 11th. Uh, uh, Vito Fasella, are you going to appeal it? Is there anybody in the Republican Party going to appeal that? I don't know. Oh, how about no, the Common not... Sense Democrats? Will the Common Sense Democrats appeal that? Uh, Governor Patterson? I, I don't know if I would. It's kind of preventing the idea of, uh, say, people outside of the party running in and and registering as being part of that party when they're really favoring an issue that's not in the party. Then they shouldn't, but Governor, then they shouldn't do it at all. Then your point is well taken, then they should do it at all. They shouldn't do it at all. Breaking news, WABC. Well, I understand. I understand it's more breaking news, and I understand Borough President Vito Fasella is mad as hell that they're changing the frequency of the Staten Island Ferry. What's going on, Vito? Well, thanks, John, for bringing that up. The Staten Island Ferry commuter, frankly, has become collateral damage and an issue that should have been resolved a long time ago. You know, it's the old adage is the left and the right, and then there's the truth. Uh, You have issues, uh, labor issues that have been going on for more than 11 years, no contract, 
Then you have allegedly uh, staffing issues and COVID and everything else. The bottom line is rather than have 15 minute, which is a regular service for the Staten Island Ferry commuter, it's all out of whack for the last 48 hours. Uh, hourly service, which strands, you know, could be strand thousands of people. As those may, many know, the Staten Island Ferry is a lifeline for tens of thousands of people. And an intentional disruption to the service causes harm to them, and it's just not fair. Now we read that we revert back to service and give the credit to the mayor. We want to call first thing this morning about trying to get things fixed. But a long-term solution has to be put in place so the Staten Island Ferry community doesn't remain collateral damage in all these issues that matters. Wow. Wow. Well, Vito, we have a minute left. Anything else? No, I think uh, I can't think, you know, the folks who are running, I want to highlight the fact that the Staten Island Ferry community is really getting the shaft here. You know, people want to go to work downtown. These are folks who very often can't afford to take other forms of transportation, express buses, drive and park in Manhattan. All they want to do to get to work and they're running from their office to the ferry. They realize that instead of the ferry leaving in two minutes, it's another 45 minutes. Mm. And we lost service throughout the night. It's just not right. It's not fair, and that's not the way government should work on behalf of the people. So we look forward to working with City Hall and anybody else involved thank to, you. to make sure that we revert. Thank, thank you, you, Vito Fasella, uh, Borough President of Staten Island. Thank you, uh, uh, Ed Cox, Governor Patterson, Judge Weinberg, uh, Lydia Serrani. And what do we stand for on this show? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America, and God bless the world, because we really need it.